Hey there, Professor. That's a interesting face mask you got on today. Gotta stay safe. That's kind of nice. Uh, we're here in Stockyard City today uh, in Oklahoma City. Not traveling nearly as far for a change of pace. Yeah, it's a corner of the city we don't often get to, but it's kind of like its own little universe. It certainly is different. It smells different, too. That's the smell of money. This is Sam Saxon, along with Professor Joff Deroot, and you're listening to Tales Unveiled, where we travel across Oklahoma for ghost stories, as well as urban legends and local history. Starting with the founding of two packaging houses in 1910, Stockyard City established itself as a national cattle market, bringing jobs and prosperity to the newly formed Oklahoma City. As the cattle industry grew, it brought other services to the district such as restaurants, hotels, retail, and even a streetcar service to accommodate visiting ranchers. Today, Stockyard City is home to the largest stalker feeder cattle market in the world. Knowing how much ghosts love the theater from past episodes, I reached out to Cindy Scarberry, the executive director of the Rodeo Opry Foundation, who was kind enough to host us and invite some volunteers who had some stories worth sharing. Thank you, Cindy and Stephanie, for joining us today. Let's get started. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the building we're in right now? This is the historic Rodeo Theater, and it has been around for many years. Uh, we were uh, across this town in Capitol Hill for many years in the Knob Hill Theater as the Oklahoma Opry. But in 2004, we moved here into this historic building and became the Rodeo Opry. For those that aren't familiar with the Stockyards District, what can visitors expect to find down here? Oh, we hope everybody will come down to the Stockyards. There's lots to do. You can shop. Uh, we are, we have the one actual Stockyards that is still working. So Mondays and Tuesdays, you can even go behind the gate and see the auctions. Uh, there's restaurants. We have great steakhouses down here, McClintock's and Cattlemen's. We also have a great cafe, Heather's Cafe. There's Mexican food down here as well so uh, we hope people will come down and look at the shops there's lots of things you can look at not only western wear which we have a whole lot of great shops that have western wear um, but some knickknacks and some saddlery and uh, lots of different things that you can look for down here in the stockyards. Stephanie, do you have any particular favorite shops around here? Um, I like to stop in Little Joe's occasionally and they have quite a an assortment of things. My dad is a big knife collector, so I like to stop by there sometime and check out their knives. But uh, there's also a new furniture store down here in the stockyard. Grain and so. Grange. Grain and, and Grange. Boxcar Woody has yeah. some wonderful uh, equipment as well. So what's the history of this district? Well, we have celebrated our centennial, so I've been around for over a hundred years and really based on the 
actual stockyards. Um, that, and you'll have to get some more information from Kelly. She's got all the district uh, history on how the stockyards began and uh, how it was won, on, I think, on a poker table and, and all of the really fun histor historical facts. Um, and then we have the building, the Stockyard Central building used to be the National Hotel. Um, and now that's where we have our event center. Um, and so it's just everything really came from the actual stockyards. And when people would come to sell their cattle and their animals, uh, needed somewhere to stay and then uh, needed somewhere to eat. And then the shop started going up and uh, the rodeo theater was showing movies early, early on. Uh, and then over the years, it turned into an antique mall and then office space. So it was really exciting in 2004, the Centennial Commission helped us get the theater uh, back into a theater and we were able to start showing uh, or start having live music shows on Saturdays. And now there's also playing movies. That's right. Now the Rodeo Cinema is in the building throughout the week and showing movies. So you'll have to come down and see some of those. Professor, I'll let you take it away. Uh, with so much history around here, there must be something lingering around, would you say? <laughs> lots of legends and lots of stories. Uh, you know, people tell about um, the sisters in Langston's, and uh, there are lots of people have stories about different spirits and uh, different ghosts that are reoccurring in the district. Uh, we have had several experiences in the Rodeo Opry, and uh, I really, you know, with all of that talk, I've never felt unsafe, I've never felt uh, scared. Um, and, you know, my, my personal experiences are not as many as the other people in, that have been in the building. So, mm. and I, it's, it's funny, because, you know, I've been in there late at night by myself, um, but the only time I really had a kind of unexplained experience in our building uh, was in 2000, oh, what year, 2006, I think, right after Grant passed away. Um, our, our founder, Grant Leftwich, passed away, and um, I was walking through the theater all alone with our, my chairman of the board, and we had just been talking about there's so much work to do and we felt like we had a lot of pressure on our shoulders to continue Grant's legacy and there's so much that we need to do and then as we walked backstage there was a clock on the wall and the hands were just moving forward fast and just moving on the clock and we both just we felt like Grant was trying to tell us, you better get busy. You got, you've got to get started to keep things going. And we both just looked at each other like, what in the world is happening? But okay, Grant, we hear you. We're, we'll get right on that. <laughs> but that's really the only um, kind of unexplained experience I've had in the building. But uh, Stephanie and Greg yes, and yes. several others uh, have some quite fun stories to tell. Stephanie, what happened to you? Yeah, so um, Sandy, who is Grant's daughter, used to work at the Opry, and when I first started volunteering, she's kind of the one that showed me the ropes and 
and in, in the concession stand I would volunteer on Saturday nights and so she was telling me you know what to order and when to replenish things and so she kind of trained me in that area and she passed in 2013 so it was a Saturday night somewhere in 2015 I believe it was a typical Saturday night and I'm back in the back finishing up after uh, selling the concessions and I'm doing dishes got my hands in the soap and washing away and all of a sudden I felt something brush up behind me so I said excuse me and kind of moved up and then I looked back and I realized that no one was there (laughs) and so I just kind of brushed it off and didn't think anything about it and a couple of minutes later I just I had this funny feeling again and then all of a sudden I felt a hug like a two-hand hug around the back of me and I could tell it was a person but I knew nobody was really there so I it 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 caught me off guard definitely scared me a little bit Um, actually it didn't scare me it was more of a sense of peace I kind of feel in a strange way that maybe Sandy was telling me good job thanks for (laughs) thanks for carrying on and it was a it was a true hug. It was a true wrap your arms around me hug. But she came running so, out of there, and yeah. we were out in the theater, and she was like, have y'all been here this whole time? Where were you? Did anybody come back there? What are y'all doing? Who's messing with me? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, that is the first time that I have ever experienced that, and uh, I'm a true believer after that, because that was <laughs> as real as it gets. She... And I know it was her. I just, I, I know it was. But, uh, yeah, it definitely rattled me a little bit. But it definitely, it was a nice feeling because it was a nice hug that day. <laughs> well, that's about the most charming ghost story I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was nice to think people never really leave. Tell us about those sisters in Langston's. Well, I, I've just heard other people tell me uh, stories about them, but um, there, from what I remember, someone said there were sisters that lived up above, in the apartment up above, and there have been stories of people going up there um, and feeling like they were pushed down the stairs. Um, one time they had it all closed off and wouldn't allow people to be in that area. Um, and so, I, I don't know, I, I would hate to tell it wrong, but uh, there definitely have been additional spirits around. Uh, you know, in, our, in the Opry, where the concession stand is, years ago was a bar and I believe where the lounge now is uh, used to be dry cleaners and there are stories about people dying in both of those areas and so even before we moved in uh, people would tell us stuff like uh, you know this place is haunted right you you know that this is uh, got lots of spirits don't you I'd never really believed in any of that growing up, so I'm not very, I'm not a superstitious at all, and uh, so it never was a concern for me. Um, and even now, hearing the stories uh, from Steph and from Gregory, um, 
we haven't felt like any of the ones in our building yeah. are wanting us to leave or feel like we are in their space, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, so it has, I really still am not scared of this building. I could be in the building by myself and no problems whatsoever. So it's just, it's just kind of funny, but I think it's also, you know, when people are talking about the, the sisters at Langston's, it's almost as if they want them out. They want them out. They want those ghosts out of there. And maybe that's the difference is that we have just been, um, accepting of okay we can share this space we, I don't can, know. we can coexist right? it's been very peaceful <laughs> but uh, there there's talk of there being a a woman upstairs of the stockyard city main street office that um walks around you'll hear footsteps you'll hear uh things happening but I, I don't have any of the history on that either. <laughs> well, she must have liked it to stick around at least. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> With all the history of wildness through the eras, is anyone still here from the old law? That definitely would describe our friend uh, Sam Chestnut. He was part of the Mountain Patrol for years and just a great friend to the district. He sang in the church choir. He would come down and just be at any event, he and his horse. Um, When he started getting sick, uh, we did a fundraiser at the Opry uh, raising money to help with the medical bills and just just a precious precious person to the district um, and when he passed we were extremely heartbroken um, felt like we lost part of our family well Kelly was back in the back in the in the barn and a woman a friend of ours named Gabby has uh, been she's into connected energy uh some would call her a psychic and um she told kelly that there was someone um from early early years based on the way he looked and what the way he was dressed he he looked like you know turn of the century that was um really happy that things she was doing in the district and seemed to be more of a protector of her and Kelly was like I don't know who that would be and the more uh, Gabby started explaining what he looked like it sounded to Kelly as if she were describing Sam Chestnut and because Sam dressed very traditionally he wore you know chaps he wore the the hat and the bow tie and the leather vest and so Kelly got out her phone and and pulled up uh, Sam's Facebook and showed her a picture and says is this who you're talking about and she said Gabby just would was very surprised in that it was him she said that's that's him he's the one and they felt like he chose to come back and stay here as a protector and that he was going to watch over and help things be safe here in the district. That's good dedication. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. He wasn't finished. 
it's truly the Wild West down here. Uh, <laughs> I'd be curious if there's any Miss Kitty or other uh, ladies of the night <laughs> who might come still up be on around. Sometime. Yes, there absolutely was uh, lots of stories about the upstairs apartments um, where McClintock's is now, all the way down to the Opry Theater. Um, there used to be apartments upstairs, and lots of stories about. Um, those people running from the movies back over to the bar and in between with their guests. <laughs> and that sometimes they still hear footprint or you know the sounds of people running back and forth uh, through those spaces. But I have not personally had that experience. Yeah, but. <laughs> I haven't either. I've heard it, but, but I've, I've heard yeah. about it. For the next portion of our interview session, we are joined by Greg, who is another one of the Rotary Opry's volunteers. To get things started, I asked Greg what he liked most about the district. Well, I like the I like Cattlemen's. I've always liked Cattlemen's, and I like the fact the tourists come down here, and it's a popular place for people to walk around and see the old west. They like all the artwork and the statues, and and uh, you know it. The different Western outlets, they'd like to go through those and look at them. I, I like to go like look at through old Joe, uh, Little Joe's. That's my favorite place. I like the way it smells. <laughs> it smells like fresh leather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the meat of the story, and I'm going to hand it over to uh, my co-host, Professor Joff DeRoot. Oh, that's Joff DeRoot. <laughs> uh, so what do you do here? What do I do here? Mm-hmm. I mainly just volunteer for the Rodeo Opry for whatever they want me to do. <laughs> right now it's it's checking temperatures and making sure people at the door are wearing a mask and all that good stuff. He's done webs, website work for us, he's videoed shows for us, and then he's helped us even with cleaning up things as needed. Mm-hmm. Jack of all trades. He does yeah, it all. Many times I've, I've cleaned the carpet you know, I'm, I'm the one that's got the, the gift of smell from my mother. <laughs> and I start to smell when the carpet smells like a human smell. Hmm. So I, I go get a rug doctor and just knock the whole place out and mm-hmm. make it smell that fresh smell. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> well, during your work here, what have you witnessed? What have I witnessed? Mm-hmm. You mean? Anything Anything unusual? Yeah. That what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, I sent, sent you an email here of a list of things. And I, I, I want to state that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the world's biggest skeptic. Mm-hmm. Do I believe there's ghosts? Yes, to a degree. You know, not, I don't have that definitive proof, but I'm, I'm a believer that, yeah, there's something happening there. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, when I'm working in the theater, a lot of times cleaning up the theater after the show's over and everybody's, you know, gone for the night and it's just me in the theater, you know, you do hear a lot of sounds, but those sounds could be the ice maker. It could be an old door that's just not shutting all the way. You, you look for possible explanations, but some things you, you can't really find a explanation for because it's not like a Hollywood movie you know when, when I hear something in the theater 
it's not like I get scared and get in my car and drive home. I might text Cindy and tell her, hey, look, something weird happened here. But I walk upstairs. I walk into the theater. I, I try to find, you know, where this noise is coming from or what's causing it to be. Or, But um, the first thing I've heard when I'm working there is I've heard, like, somebody running upstairs. Yeah, you know, the 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 stairs is it's a spiral staircase that's just to the the just across from the men's room. And it's not open to the public anyway. It's kind of a hidden employees only little back area too, huh? But the performers do use it. They'll mm -hmm. go up there in the projection area, mm -hmm. and before that existed, they'll go up there just to get dressed because the girl who come in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and all that and they'll perform on the stage and then when the show starts they'll go up there and change into a nice dress and high heels and all that so they want somewhere to, for a dressing room so they do go up there but when, when, when I'm you know cleaning up the theater you know, I've heard somebody run up the staircase and then I've heard people running in the projection area where you can hear stomping feet you know it just, and it, it's not like, well, that's just a noise from the concessionary or something like that, you know. I go up there, I walk up the stairs, you know. I'm not scared at all. And I look, and, and when you go up there, there's no way to get down. The only way to get down is the spiral staircase. Hmm. That's it. But I walk all around, look all around, and if somebody's up there, you know what I'm saying? they have got to go right back down the same way to get down but and it's not that big of an error mm -mm. you know it's just the, like a small projection area a little room in the back and an office and then out front where the my camera and my video equipment sit there so i don't see nothing so i go <laughs> back downstairs mm -hmm. and then a little bit later i hear it again you know and i go up there and look and I thought, well, maybe there's a performer that, you know, because I've looked all through the theater, made sure everybody's left for the night, but there's nobody there. Wow. The next thing I've heard, it was really kind of strange. I told Cindy about this one night, because when, when I'm cleaning up the theater, it, it's to keep people from getting sick. And also, when the rodeo cinema comes back in the morning, you know, to make sure they don't have very little to do, mm -hmm. you know. But I'll spray the toilet bowl cleaner in each one of the toilets and prop the seats up. And I start in the ladies' room, and then I go over to the men's room. And I was over in the men's room one night, and I, one by one, each one of the seats in the ladies' room started falling and hitting the bowl. And it, it's a loud sound, you know, if you've ever done that in your house. <laughs> and it, they didn't all fall at once. Mm. They fell one by one by one until it was all five toilets. And when the first couple ones fell, I walked over there and I thought, you know, somebody's got to be in here. And I went over there. There's nobody in the place. <laughs> it's just me. And they're all, you know, 
they're all down. And I was like, somebody's playing a joke on me because I'm, I'm a skeptic. Right. You know, somebody is hiding in the theater somewhere and they decided to play a joke. But I walked all through the theater. I, the, if the front doors or the back doors open with me just in there, I can hear that. Yeah. And, you know, I, they, you, there's no way they could even just close the big metal doors without m me still hearing that. It, it makes mm -hmm. a kind of a closing sound, you know, mm -hmm. where it latches and, mm. but that's happened. And then, but I, like you say, I'm, I'm still a skeptic. I'm still convinced <laughs> somebody's playing a joke on me and they're hiding out in the theater, you know, mm -hmm. it's possible. The theater is big enough to where somebody could hide out. You know, they could be hiding in there somewhere. But how likely would that be? Possible. It's possible. <laughs> you always got to say that it's possible. Very they, unlikely. They could be in the concession area where the yeah. lights are turned off. And you know, I mean, I walk all through the place. But the next time something happened, and this, this here is also... I kind of fall into the category that it, it might be a prank. But uh, the first thing I do when the show's over, and I get in, in a big hurry to kind of knock it out, because sometimes I got to go to work in the morning, like four o'clock in the morning. And, uh, but I'll go all through the theater with trash can, and one by one I set all the seats up, the bottom part of the seat. Because that's the way that Rodeo Cinema wants it. They want it, the theater to look like nobody, not like it's been used. And the arms up, too. Yeah, and the arms yeah. up. Yeah, the seats up and the arms up. And so one by one, I start at the first row. I knock all the way out, picking up cups and trash on the floor and all that. And then get all the way to the very back. I knock the two mezzanines out. And then I'll go start working up front. And... Then everybody leaves, I lock the doors, you know, because I have to walk back to the back and lock each one of the doors to make sure nobody gets in because the band is taking instruments, the car, stuff like that. And I was working up front and the, the doors of the theater were locked and somebody would have to walk past me. And about the time I was getting ready to leave, I walked back into the theater and I have to do what we call a door check to make sure that everything's secure because if the alarm goes off, it's gonna send an email to Cindy or a text to Cindy and she's gonna drive up to the theater. So we just kind of push on the doors, make sure they're locked. Cause summertime they can pop open, you know, cause of the heat. Mm -hmm. So we might have to slam it real hard to get it to lock. But I walk back in the theater and all the arms were down in the theater. Wow. To, to the, you know, they set up like this. Not just a couple of them, all of them. And there's what, and, over 100 chairs? 170. Yeah, yeah 170. <laughs> and for somebody to do this, it takes time. I mean, knocking them down, you could run in between the... But then I would hear that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, you know, you would hear that. But I... And I got, I got mad. I got a little frustrated because... <laughs> I, think I, I was trying to get done real quick so I could mm -hmm. go to bed and get a couple hours of sleep and go to work. And uh, I, uh, I said, dang. I said, oh. I said, now I got to go back and you know, raise all those arms back up again. 
And I almost just left a note for Rodeo Cinema, and I says, you know, but I'm still a skeptic on that one. <laughs> it's possible, <laughs> you know, if somebody's playing a joke on me. <laughs> and I'm kind of building to a point to where something can't be explained. Mm-hmm. So one night, well, the before the COVID thing, I, I always wash my hands before I get in my vehicle and drive home. Because, you know, I've been touching trash and cleaning and doing all that kind of stuff. And I walk into the men's room and I walk up to the sink. And when I walk up to the sink, a gust of wind goes through me. And it blows my hair straight back, blows my shirt back and pants back, and it lasts for just a few seconds. And it almost felt like somebody walked through me or something. That's the best I could describe it. And it's kind of like in the springtime, you know, when the wind's out, kind of like today, and you walk around the corner of the building, you know, and it's calm where you're at, and you go to the corner, and then this wind just kind of you know, hit you in the face. And, but it, it didn't last long, it was just a few seconds. But being a logical person, a skeptical person, it's almost impossible for that to happen because, you know, I, I did heat and air work and the vent that's in the bathroom, there's two four inch vents in there. There's nothing in there that could produce that kind of an air you know, going in my face. And for it to start and then stop, you know, that's even, but I washed my hands real quickly and I got out. (laughs) You think in a Hollywood movie with creepy music playing and all that, that I would be really scared. I was a little, what the heck is this? But, I just washed my hands, turned the alarm on, and headed out because that's the last thing I do. Grab me a water and, you know, start driving on home. But here's the odd thing: is all this these little funny things was going on. You know, most of them I could say it could just be explained somewhere or another. But when they rebuilt the theater, all of our pictures and the entry to the theater are gone. Hmm. Yeah, of Grant and a lot of the popular entertainers like Reba and, you know, those are always hanging on the wall. They were on our entry for a long time, but they appeared again. You know, somebody put them back up and hung them all over, all over the walls. When that happened, then it all stopped. I didn't hmm. have anything happen again. And I always tell Cindy that when I was in there, I had a little Bluetooth speaker and I would take and turn the music up real, real loud. And when I did that, nothing strange happened. It seems like if there were ghosts, they liked the music. Because <laughs> nothing, nothing happened then, nothing odd. No. Nothing with the seats or, you know. I know. So you what kind of music were you playing? <laughs> All, for me, at my age, it's, it's everything. It's country, rock and roll, classical music. It's a little bit of everything. But I'd say there's a lot of country in it. 
perhaps it was one of those performers just wanting to be recognized. It could be, could be. Could be. Yeah, I would come in a, a couple times if I forgot something, I'd come back and Greg would have his music up real loud and he'd always say, you know, I've got to do that. That way they don't bother me. They leave me alone if the music's playing. <laughs> I seem to appreciate it. <laughs> Before we go, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Just that we hope that you'll come down and see a show. When things clear up, we'll be in the Opry every Saturday night, 7 p.m. Right now, you can watch our live streams Fridays and Saturdays on Facebook uh, with the Rodeo Opry. And you can hear us on 99.7 Hank FM, Sundays, 6 to 8. As we return to our respective cars, a large cattle truck with a Griffin logo passed by us. I didn't think much of it, but the professor held out his arm for me to stop. I turned to him and he asked me what I knew about Griffin Park in Norman. Tales and Build is a production of the Show Starts Now Studios and is produced by Dennis Spielman. The voice of Sam Saxton is Dennis Spielman. The voice of Professor Jeff DeRoot is Jeff Provine. Now we would like to take stock of the people that we are thankful for sharing their stories with us for this episode. Thank you Cindy Scarberry, Stephanie, and Greg. The opinions and stories told are that of the individuals and do not reflect their employer, affiliates, and spirits mentioned. Join us on Patreon to help support Tales Unveiled while getting exclusive rewards. Visit talesunveiled.com to find out how to become a patron supporter. This episode's advice comes from Dr. May Jamieson. Never be limited by other people's limited imaginations. Mm-hmm.